morning, church family. Once again, I should say good afternoon. It's wonderful to see each one of you. I invited uh, Hayden Went to read us a portion of scripture this morning. So Hayden, go for it right now. Ecclesiastes 9-10, two people better off than one are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Amen. Thank you, Hayden. Appreciate it. Church family, would you bow your heads with me for a word of prayer? Our gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for being the awesome God that you are. We thank you that because of who you are, we are never alone. We thank you for this church family that we have the privilege of being a part of. Father, as we turn our thoughts once again to things of you, I ask that your Holy Spirit invade this place, that you would purify my thoughts and my words, that you would open up the hearts and minds of my brothers and sisters here that they might hear a message not from me but from you. I ask that you bless the message that you have given to us today. May we receive what you would have us to receive. We thank you in advance for hearing our prayer. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I had to do this for first, so I got to check with you for second service as well. How many of you saw the sermon title and got excited? Nobody. Very good. How many of you saw the sermon title and got nervous? Nobody. Very good. How many of you are seeing the sermon title for the first time right now in your bulletin? It's about the same percentages as first service, honestly. My takeaway is that you guys really don't look at the bulletin as much as I think you do, but that's okay. It's totally fine. Sermon for today um, is titled Cats in the Cradle. Cats in the Cradle. In the summer of 1974, Harry Chapman's album Verities and Balderdash was released. Chapman's proverbial star was on the rise as a critically acclaimed singer songwriter with meaningful story songs that connected with people across the nation. The first track to his new album was Cats in the Cradle another story song that was an instant classic and an instant hit. The album sold more than two million copies and the single Cats in the Cradle became Chapin's first and only number one hit. And yet, when talking about Cats in the Cradle, Chapin is known to have said, frankly, this song scares me to death. And as of November 7, 2016, when my young son entered this world, I would have to say that I agree with him wholeheartedly. Cats in the Cradle is a melancholy ballad of a father who is extremely dedicated to his career. I want to read the lyric to you this morning. It begins like this in verse 1. My child arrived the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking before I knew it. And as he grew... He'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know, I'm going to be like you. 
And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then, son. You know we'll have a good time then. The story continues in verse 2. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I've got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed. It said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, you know I'm going to be like him. Verse 3 continues. Well, he came home from college just the other day. So much like a man, I just had to say, son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile, what I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? The soaring strings during the instrumental bridge clue the listener in to the foreboding as time passes to verse 4. I've long since retired and my son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu, but it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. It uh, says here in my notes, pause while deacons pass around Kleenex boxes. But, uh, Cats in the Cradle is a deeply moving song, yet it's obvious why this song has haunted men and women for 45 years. Because even beyond the obvious and most directly applicable implications to parents, uh, the song hinges on one extremely important truth and its self-evident conclusion. We have a very finite amount of time in this life as we know it. Therefore, we do not want to waste any of it. And the reason that Cats in the Cradle resonates so deeply is because every single one of us knows that in our past, we have wasted time. You know, sometimes we all need some downtime where we just kind of check out we don't put pressure on ourselves to be productive and just even veg is, is a word you might have used before. But that's not even what I'm talking about. Not time like that. We have invested time in things that we thought had value in the moment. And now we look back and either wonder or we know with surety that investing time there had been a mistake. Time spent on a career instead of a child. Time spent on a degree that isn't being used. Time spent on a romantic relationship that didn't work out. Time spent on a hobby instead of your spouse or significant other. Part of life in this world is making mistakes. We often get stuff wrong. And sometimes we unintentionally waste time. And now that we're all in a super happy place, let's open the Bible. <laughs> I'm going to direct our thoughts back to the passage that Hayden read for us just a little bit ago. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, begins this way. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. 
This is one of the many places in Scripture that teaches us and reminds us how important relationships are. We were not intended to live alone. In fact, at creation, the only problem God can find with his newly created world is that Adam is by himself, so he immediately seeks to rectify that situation. Humans are designed to live in community, to not be isolated, to live in dependence on each other. And none of that changed at the cross. In fact, if anything, Jesus doubled down on the importance of community. Repeatedly, Jesus told his disciples of the importance of love, of relational health. He said that he had a new commandment for his church, to love one another. He even said that people will know that we are his disciples if we love one another, if we have a loving, healthy community. In other words, if we were to observe a church that isn't loving, that isn't a healthy relational community, we would have to conclude, wow, that church really isn't following Jesus. It's kind of a big deal. Jesus intended his disciples to live in community. And when we see the first days of the church, we see his vision being carried out. I'm going to draw your attention briefly to the book of Acts, chapter 2. These words as well, they equally inspire and haunt me in a sort of way because of their, the incredible weight of, the, of what is written here. Beginning in verse 42, it describes the early churches. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. From that sentence alone, the church was built on actively connecting with Jesus and each other. To continue to verse 43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. All those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions, were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. There's many things to look at in this description of a church community that we can learn from and be inspired from. But one of the first things that I notice every time I read these verses is how much time these Jesus followers spent together. Time in fellowship. Time devoted to learning. Time in the temple. Time in each other's homes. To Jesus and his followers, time spent on people is time well spent. I want to draw our attention back to the truth that we mentioned earlier, that we have a very finite amount of time in this life as we know it, and therefore we do not want to waste any of it. So a question for you is, should Jesus' followers seek to use their time well? Kind of an obvious one, yeah, right? Yes, of course. If you have accepted the new life that Jesus has given to you, that he has for you, then you are a steward of all of the resources that your king has given you. And time is one of, if not the most valuable 
of resources given to each one of us. Jesus' followers should seek to steward their time well. And according to Jesus, relationships are worthy of our time investment. To Jesus and his followers, time spent on people is time well spent. Increasingly in our world, our time is spent either producing or consuming, either one or the other. This unfortunately can dictate how we interact with each other in the church as well. Our energies are spent in programs and events, and often we don't feel like we have time to give to each other if we aren't planning, leading, or attending a structured program or event, which are good, by the way. It takes great discipline and intentionality to put off the pressure to produce and to deny the desire to consume and to choose to just simply be with each other. So today, we took a small step forward in that discipline and that intentionality. We ended our first service 15 minutes earlier than normal, and we began our second service, well, due to some unforeseen complications, perhaps a bit more than 15 minutes later, but it's all good. We kept Sabbath school hour at its normal time, and we encouraged each other to interact with one another and to simply be. In theory, this created about 30 minutes of space for us to just be together, to enjoy each other's company, to connect with old friends and family, to make new friends and family, and to further the love of Jesus in our community. Now, it was just 15 minutes here and 15 minutes there, and you might have a cynical side. I don't have one personally. You might have a cynical side that is saying, really, you really think that uh, two blocks of 15 minutes is enough time for anything significant to happen? Uh, In short... Yeah, (laughs) Uh, it's easy to think that short amounts of time are insignificant, yet each one of us, if we think back, each one of us has at some time in our lives been given a brief moment of time from someone else and has made an enormous difference in our life. It doesn't always take much, but even beyond today. Our hope is that today serves as a bit of a prod and a reminder to us all of the vast importance of loving community in the body of Christ. We hope that today serves as a reminder to you and to me that we should be seeking to connect regularly and often with one another beyond this worship service. We cannot follow Jesus well if our community is not loving each other well. I'll repeat that one more time. We cannot follow Jesus well if our community is not loving each other well. And healthy relationships take time. When discipling others in their walk with Jesus... It is common to appeal to this most basic truth about relationships. Relationships take time. If you want your relationship with Jesus to grow, you need to spend some time with him. 
It's completely true of your relationship with Jesus and all other relationships. No relationship gets healthier and deeper and more loving without time invested. To Jesus and his followers, time spent on people is time well spent. Believe it or not, Jesus didn't come to this earth so that we could have careers and hobbies. He didn't even die so that we could have praise teams, Sabbath schools, and board meetings. Jesus came to this earth. He died on the cross, rose from the grave, and ascended to his heavenly throne so that individuals could be reconciled to the Father and included in his family. As important as other things in this life are, After our relationship with Jesus, let us never forget that nothing is more important than loving each other. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Our Father, we thank you that your listening ear is always available to us. It's a joy and a tremendous privilege to know that you always have time for us. as we seek to grow in our dedication to fostering loving community, we ask that you bless us. Inspire in us a desire to make time for one another and to grow in our relationships. Gently prod us to move beyond our comfort zones. Enable us to be inclusive, to open our community to all who might seek to belong. And may the world around us be able to recognize that we are following you as your love flows out from us. And now, church family, may you be filled with the joy of salvation that Jesus so freely gives. May you be filled with desire to follow the command of Jesus to love one another. And may you be moved to intentionally connect with your brothers and sisters in Christ in regularity. I know that we will have a good time then. Amen.